Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, then. All righty. 
I am opening up the line. So caller from the 502, introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Bill Houston, and I am from Louisville, Kentucky, and um, I'm part of the team from the OKI Urban Tech Fair. All right. And caller from the 513, introduce yourself. Herschel Daniels, part of OKI UTF. All right. And the UTF for everyone, that stands for Urban Tech Fair. So It's that, it's that military up. background. Yeah. <laughs> and we had Cynthia Fraser in the chat room, so we had the Urban Tech Fair out strong today. <laughs> so, um, well, gentlemen, what I would like you um, each to do, um, first, whoever choose to, what can you guys share with us about, you know, just let us know about the Urban Tech Fair the OKI Urban Tech Fair, give us a general overview, and then I want to come back to each of you sharing with us who each of you are. Okay. Uh, Bill, I'll I'll take the initial, and then, then you follow up anything I miss? Sure. All right. So uh, the OKI Urban Tech Fair uh, came into being – uh, Bill Houston started as the uh, original city manager and got the impetus uh, going behind it, uh, working with Jim Newsom, uh, carrying out the uh, objectives of the Silicon Valley, wherever you are. And, and Cincinnati is at one time was the uh, Chicago of, of the United States, the manufacturing, the distribution, the mail order. Uh, center uh, of America. Uh, now, uh, currently, it's a city that has uh, as many Fortune 500 uh, companies, uh, Procter & Gamble, uh, Macy's, uh, uh, Kroger's are among the names that are centered there. Toyota's North America Manufacturing, and uh, there's probably about uh, $40 billion worth of brand advertising that comes out of the shops that are in Cincinnati. Uh, plus you have companies such as Western Southern and uh, GE and uh, CentOS uh, who are technology leaders in, in their particular areas. And uh, uh, because we're right down the road uh, from uh, the uh, where the U.S. Air Force spends about 70% of their money, uh, we have a lot of defense contractors in a row between Dayton and Cincinnati. And the OKI uh, label is for Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana. Uh, we're in the Midwest. We're in the center. We like to call ourselves in the center of the Midwest. And uh, the whole idea of the Urban Tech Fair in Cincinnati starts uh, on uh, October 12th. And on October 12th, we start our uh, initial weekend of events in Cincinnati that culminates on that initial period with the world's uh, biggest uh, African-American uh, hangout uh, organized by our partners in, in the OKI UTF H2 Communications. But what's unique is it features technology from an African-American firm 
called uh, Genesis, uh, and they run a website called Genesis.com. And uh, we aim to uh, go for those Guinness World Records of the uh, world's biggest uh, uh, black hangout uh, uh, or electronic call. Uh, we're still working on the final name of that, even this late uh, date. But from that start on October 16th, uh, we have a uh, the normal uh, urban tech fair, as you well know, Jackie, being a national uh, coordinator, uh, usually lasts uh, one month and uh, uh, for it, and we also at during that period uh, we leave a uh, behind a uh, a week's worth of special events and uh, uh, that culminate in a special project uh, that's put in a, a wireless cloud that may in some areas be uh, temporarily, but here in Cincinnati because the OKI UTF is supportive of science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, we've chosen to partner with uh, the uh, nation's first K-20 through school system infrastructure, and uh, the uh, K-6 through this year will be working with Taft Elementary, which was named after President Taft, which was our first STEM president, and that he... Uh, uh, was the first president ever to have all automobiles in the uh, White House. He didn't use one horse. So he was actually the uh, president who killed the horse industry in America. And uh, this school is named after him. He's a local icon right down the streets, his presidential center. And the OKI UTF is centered in providing uh, that uh, uh, school with a, a wireless cloud and one child, one computer, and uh, uh, Bill Houston has w been working diligently uh, to bring together uh, that uh, in the social media, and you can uh, see some of his results at okiutf.org. That's our website. It's okiutf.org. And at that website, you'll be able to see our updates as we uh, come forward and uh, uh, launch uh, that website officially on uh, 1 uh, October 2012. And uh, going forward, uh, we, uh, we will have the events that we will be having there during our, our fulfillment. Uh, we plan to drive several different tracks, which is uh, the main track is, of course, the uh, Silicon Valley where you are. And we, we have, uh, we'll feature technologists from as far away as Cleveland and Toledo and uh, uh, Gary, Indiana, Purdue, and as far south as uh, Louisville and Lexington. And uh, we plan to uh, provide the interconference uh, for, for those technologists. Uh, we are also doing a track where we'll be the center for uh, receiving gifts for um, uh, people who want to donate during their Christmas track uh, of uh, uh, donating electronics to uh, kids and, and uh, families in need, as well as uh, we'll be demonstrating industrial technology in our uh, unique uh, process where my, my engineering company has put forth uh, taking power from sewer water, and uh, we'll okay. be uh, showing that, that off. All right. Well, Herschel, what I want to do, we're going to take a break for a moment because I want to come back and break everything down because I know it's a lot of information for everybody to take in. But 
got a clear standing uh, understanding. Clearly, see they have a, a lot going on, and um, this is what the Urban Tech Fair is about. They're they're the first city to launch, and these are each city. You know, it's unique because each city has its own unique voice, its own unique issues in each neighborhood, and um, as to what they choose to dress at the moment. But it is a series of activities and events that actually showcase, like the things they're doing are showcasing what's actually going on and show and showcasing the power of their community. And it's sharing with people. I'm pretty sure a lot of people right there in the area who live there does not do not know that certain people, certain companies, certain technologies and opportunities exist right there for them. So that's one of the biggest things that we're excited about the Urban Tech Fair, that at the end, the level of awareness will definitely bring new collaboration that continues to develop that community. So what I'd like to do right now, Herschel, we're going to take a break and we're going to go to, we have another um, guest, um, Mike Dennis. We're going to take a moment and talk a little bit about the film industry, and then when we come back, I want to take each each event. I put the website up, but I want to take each event with the launch, you know, to explain to us what's going on with the launch. And then maybe, Bill, you can explain to us what, you know, what you're doing in the school. And then um, the other, the event that you're, um, the showcase that you're doing with your engineering company. So I want to break each one down and let's talk about them so our audience fully understands what's going on and then what are next steps. What would you like us to do? All right? All right. Thanks. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to open up the line right now. I'd like everyone to welcome Mike Dennis. He is the founder and director of Real Black, R-E-E-L, Black, real black. Um, it's based in Philadelphia, and he's also a filmmaker and entrepreneur. So, welcome, Mike. Hey, Jackie. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. Can you hear me okay after Walk Talk Radio Land? Yes, yes, we hear you well. We hear you okay. great. Awesome. Oh, you know what? I forgot to record this show. I'm sure it'll be on the air again, right? Oh, it, it, it records. This is being recorded. It'll be up here forever. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm sorry I missed a few weeks ago, but I'm really excited to be on the digital drama and talk about uh, how, how technology is influencing film and film distribution and making and marketing and all that good stuff. All righty. Well, the first thing we need to know, and also this is for Bill and Herschel, when I come back to you guys, you know, because we love to connect with our audience, and especially if you start talking all that good stuff, everyone is going to want to know who is. So my first question is going to be for you, and then I'm going to follow up. When we're done with Mike, I'm coming to each of you, Bill and Herschel, before you even get started about the OKI. Everyone wants to know, who is Mike Dennis who is Bill Houston and who is Herschel Daniels? We want to know who's the person, and then you can share with us your claim to fame. Wow. So if I were a tree, <laughs> what kind of tree would I be? Um, <laughs> basically, um, you know, I'm a filmmaker, um, you know, based in Philadelphia, 
Uh, the company is called Real Black. We promote African quality African American films. There's a lot of films with African American films, and they're not all worth our time at this point. So what we do, hopefully, when you see our logo, it, it indicates that the movie's worth your time. That there's something unique or in, interesting about the work uh, that that uh, uh, makes it, uh, you know, good. You know, just do promote good movies about black folks. We've been doing it since. 2003 is when we first started doing the showcase, and 2002 is when I first started making films on a regular basis here professionally in Philadelphia. Um, so we're celebrating 10 years, and uh, we're a proud member of a firm, which is the African American Film Festival Releasing Movement, uh, which is really excited to be releasing our fourth release to theaters nationally uh, called Middle of Nowhere, and that happens October 12th. Um, around the country, the website is uh, com, I believe, uh, or firm, A-F-F-R-M.com, and you can find out where it's playing near you. But it's a great film at one Sundance this year for a woman named Ava DuVernay. She's the first African-American woman to win the Sundance Film Festival for directing, and uh, it's a great independent African-American feature. That's the most recent thing that we're doing. Sounds fantastic. Great. Welcome. Glad to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Who's this? What? Is this? It's Jim Newsom. Hey, Jim. Okay, I just need to recognize names. Thank you. Dear by sound. But thanks, Jim. Yeah, no, it's really exciting. So, you know, not only, so in the 10 years, we're not only making films, but we're helping to market them and promote them, the, the quality works of other people. And, uh, you know, and uh, it wouldn't have been possible if it were not for the technology that has, uh, the digital technology that has become available to everyone in the last decade. So you stream your films? Uh, we do a, a, a monthly screening series here in Philadelphia, uh, right now we're all off season. Our season will start back up in October, but it generally takes place at the uh, International House, which is in West Philadelphia. Uh, and then we also do a dinner and a movie at a place called Mills Cafe, where we where we do a lot of DVD releases and things like that. So, so yeah, we we showcase work and we also create original films as well. Uh, Mike, um, I like to just you know take everyone back because I don't want people. I want everybody to kind of get an idea. So there's a few things I need you to do to paint it, paint images for everyone and for everyone to in, understand the value. If this was 10 years ago, um, say 10 years ago or 15 years ago, Mike, 15 mm-hmm. years ago, I know you. by then you had did, you did some kind of film, right? You had, had created your first film 15 years ago, correct? Uh, well, I mean, I went to NYU for undergraduate film and the American mm-hmm. Film Institute for graduate film. So I graduated NYU in 1991, okay. and I graduated the American Film Institute in 1996. So, I mean, coming out of film school back then, uh, the goal was to write a screenplay and hopefully find investors to, to make the film or find an agent to read the script and get get it sold to Hollywood or whatever. That was the name of the game uh, when I was getting out of film school. 
by 2001-2002, Apple had developed Final Cut Pro, which really was the game changer with along with Mini-DV format, because now you had a broadcast quality digital format um, that you, where you lost no quality. You could shoot before on video, but it looked like video, and you would have generation loss. So, so uh, with Final Cut Pro and Mini DV, you could take, you could capture images that were near broadcast quality and convert them to DVD, and basically have have product available. So it really was a game changer in the sense that now the goal wasn't necessarily write a screenplay and try and sell it for a million dollars and get it made, a la like M Night Shyamalan with success, but you could take you the idea that you had in your head and and create it yourself um, and get it out there. And at the time, you still have Blockbuster Video and, and places like that that would actually buy movies. And, you know, in the earliest days, uh, there were a lot of companies, uh, upstart video labels and things like that, that, that were really helping to get independent black film seen and distributed. Um, and a lot of people... Um, that were able to do it themselves even and and make a profit just by selling directly to Blockbuster. You know, those times have changed. It's really different now, different landscape. So do you do an iTunes uh, type of distribution? It's a thought. I mean, one of of the things, we, we do YouTube. Like, I have a YouTube channel that I use to aggregate content from a TV show that I have called Real Black TV, which airs on Philadelphia Public Access. Um, I like that show because we get to interview uh, filmmakers and musicians and artists and celebrities that that are doing things. Um, But a lot of times we'll use work that we don't have full rights to, like we may use music or film clips or things like that. So I've shot away from iTunes just because I I, I want to like when you even if you do iTunes and it's free, you kind of open yourself up. You make yourself a little vulnerable to lawsuits and things like that if you don't have all your eyes dotted, T's crossed. But with YouTube, um, it's a lot more of a brave focus, uh, like a fair use kind of thing with copyright as it pertains to copyright. So we were really able to put up clips we've never really and stop from having stuff up maybe once or twice for music rights and um, and actually pay us a little bit of money for, for allowing them to uh, stream our content. Well, let me ask this, uh, with, with your knowledge of the uh, uh, digital uh, landscape, what do you think of the new trend towards uh, webisodes or short uh, videos? Well, it's definitely a great way... Uh, for a lot of talent to get exposure, I mean, there are a lot of people uh, that that we've had on our show that are really successful at it. Um, it's a great way. I mean, such as Issa Rae with Awkward Black Girl and Dennis Dortch with uh, the Black and Sexy TV channel, um, you know, and it's a great way to get our stories out there that ordinarily wouldn't be seen, but... Uh, problem with it is that it's really difficult to monetize. So you can create these calling cards to Hollywood, but if you don't have it in your business plan, how are we going to um, take our fan base from the, that we ultimately 
will build up from doing the webisodes and get them to pay us for exclusive content. If you don't have that figured out, then basically you're just giving away your stuff for free, and that I have a big problem with. But uh, Dennis Dorch, who does Black and, Se- Black and Sexy TV, just announced that they're going to take the characters from their webisodes and make a feature film, and they're hoping that that among their million subscribers they'll have enough people to actually pay for it. So, And I think they're doing a Kickstarter campaign right now. So in a way, they're going to pay themselves first. I don't know if your audience is aware of Kickstarter. Exactly. Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so one of our tenants, Access to Capital. Exactly, yeah. It's a group, group funding where people, if everybody pledges to donate a certain amount of money, um, the person can get the, the seed money to do their projects up front. So uh, basically in less than a year, Dennis has taken the webisode format, uh, developed his subscriber base to a size where he can then go to them and say, look, if you enjoy what we're doing, give us a few, you know, pledge a few dollars to our project. And uh, I think he's only asking for $20,000 right now. So he gets to pay himself first. Um, his fans get to see exclusive content uh, in, a, in a longer format, and they get to keep the DVD or whatever. So, so you know, when it works, it's great. But, but I, I still, in the digital landscape now, it's really hard to monetize anything because you do need a, a large number of people to support your work, whereas before uh, you could... You can press up a DVD. You can press up a thousand DVDs um, for a dollar a piece, and then sell sell them for ten, fifteen dollars a piece, and and make your money that way. Now you got to go out of it. You know, like it, you're lucky if you get maybe a dollar out of each person uh, in your view. Well, so, uh, Daniels, one of the uh, guests on the show tonight, has been talking about uh, the, the connecting the uh, digital world of. Uh, of African uh, uh, and in specific uh, African American uh, uh, culture and, and virtual products as an export to uh, the continent of Africa. He's working with the African Union, and he can probably explain in detail better than I can. But they've made a, a written uh, desire to seek out uh, African American uh, commerce and do business vis-a-vis. Uh, uh, virtual products such as music, video, games, and apps uh, with the U.S. Herschel, you want to touch on that real quick? Well, yeah. Uh, the the unique thing that we, we have in that is that we're working from a patent base, uh, and uh, what we do is uh, follow up on the call of Africa for connectivity. Uh, this is a, a unique year and that this is the first year ever that Africa has officially put out the call on May 25th, 2012, uh, for the diaspora, which includes 60 million people in the United States of America who qualify as part of the African diaspora to connect with the motherland's 950 million people. And what most people don't realize is because uh, uh, many African nations have the latest in 4G technology, they they because they they uh, did not have the infrastructure that we've had since the early 1900s. Uh, if most people call it the Ma Bell technology, uh, they skipped that period because of the colonial masters. They didn't have that infrastructure. So, 
most African countries are now in the duopoly of uh, the old phone uh, uh, system, which is usually owned by the government, and the new phone uh, carriers, mobile carriers, which are usually owned uh, by, unfortunately, uh, for the most part, uh, non-Africans. Uh, so the uh, African nations have uh, this year uh, passed in July a uh, uh, decisions out of the African Union. And for most of your listeners uh, should know that the uh, African Union is made up of 54 nations and 950 million people with an income of $1.7 trillion. And uh, that's annualized. And then they they reached out to the other 450 million people around the world who claim direct ancestry from Africa. Uh, And that's 450 million people at $2.3 trillion. And we in the United States are over a trillion of that by ourselves. And so they said, you know, uh, come together. We're we're putting together new generation networks, and we understand that that's the uh, new highway. And in particular, under the OKI-UTF, uh, we are uh, uh, erasing the digital divide and demonstrating that uh, at Taft Elementary. And I'll follow Jackie's prescription and seeing I've talked along and give you a little background. Uh, see, Jackie, I listen. Okay. I'm, I'm going to give that backgrounder. Okay. I used to be a Naval Telecommunications System Integration Command. I uh, integrated computers, cryptology, uh, electronic countermeasures, and uh, uh, the uh, systems that are needed uh, to provide uh, system integration. Uh, I have a background. Uh, I've been in this, I guess, for 56. I've been in it for about 45 years. Uh, uh, I started way back when when you rented Timeshare on PDP-8. Uh, I've been uh, through the multiple generations of computers. I'm an electronics tech, uh, cryptographic officer, long-range patrol specialist uh, who's uh, been there, done that, lived in Africa, in Egypt, uh, did my Alex Haley thing, uh, found out that I'm a Nubian uh, tribal descendant, uh, waiting to do my DNA to find out specifically uh, where, uh, found out where my people were shipped off as slaves in Senegal. Uh, I am an ex-diplomat. For the uh, Republic of Guinea, I was on the senior honorary consul staff from the Republic of Guinea representing it in the United States. And uh, recently, in the past decade, I've been involved in uh, uh, the uh, uh, development here in Cincinnati. Uh, Most people don't know that Cincinnati had a uh, boycott uh, from 2000 2006. And... uh, uh, we have uh, changes that are happening here that we're going to showcase on the OKI UTF, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the Urban Tech Fair here in Cincinnati when we launch it on the uh, 12th. Okay, um, I'm back and thank you so much, Herschel. Um, great information. See, I learned something new about you today. And I thought I knew you. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also a public media, uh, multimedia producer, so I can appreciate the brother and using public media access. And uh, I'll be I'll be looking forward to talking to him out offline. Okay. 
And um, also, I just want to go back, because, Mike, what I want you to do is break down so people understand the significance of what Mr. Vault, you know, did, what she established. And the website, um, I'll put that in the chat room, but it's, the acronym is A-A-F-F-R-M. But I think the website is www.aaffrm. Yeah, is that dot org or dot com? Dot com. Dot com. Okay. So one one a two f one r one m. Okay, but um, if you could just you know explain to people because you you like you explain that's why I want you to go back to say you know as a filmmaker what you had to do to try to get your film in distribution and what it took say 15 years ago and you know well, 15, what, 15 um, years ago what she did um, to, to make really a difference hmm? 15 years ago 15 years ago we had to rely on Hollywood studios to release African American films um you know that that I guess you could say was like the golden era was, began with Spike Lee and maybe went up to about Love Jones, 1997. Around 1997 um, is when DVD first started to come into the picture. And 1999, I think, was the year I first got my first DVD player. And (laughs) I think the first DVD burners that were tied into computers and things like that hit around 2000, 2001. You know, but by, you know, by the time... The early 2000s happened. You could burn DVDs that were of the same quality that the studios were manufacturing stores, and that opened up a whole realm of of new stories. You know, all of a sudden you had a lot of um, filmmakers that now had access to making feature films and getting them in Blockbuster. Um, Not all of them were great, but that, that was the... Well, the beginnings of digital distribution for African American film. Um, what happens with uh, March 2012 when I Will Follow came out? That was the first film that Ava DuVernay made uh, that was released through the African American Film Festival releasing movement. It's a great little independent film. Then for about uh, $60,000, about a woman, uh, Sally Richardson Whitfield. Uh, who has a, a day to pack her, her aunt's belongings before the moving truck comes. Her aunt had cancer and died. And so she reminisces and then says 12 people come through her life in the course of the day to help her pack her things, including uh, Omari Hardwick, who's a former lover, character plays a former lover. It's on Netflix for anyone who's interested. Um, that movie's important because it was the first time... Um, that there was an organized effort um, by independent filmmakers to release African-American film digitally through uh, multiplexes. You know, by, I guess, the late 2000s, uh, movie theaters had switched over to digital projection, which uh, was the same quality but much more affordable way of getting movies out that are having films needed to be printed on 35 millimeter and shipped, you know, around the country, you could make one master digitally and 
send it as a file, either electronically or on a USB drive to the theaters, and that would be the same quality, but it would be much, much lower cost to get the movies in theaters. Once you had one master done, it was only a few hundred dollars to make another copy digitally, whereas it would be a few thousand dollars to make a 35-millimeter print. So that that's where we are now as far as getting our movies and in independent films into theaters as opposed to going straight to DVD, which was like what would happen in the past. If you made a movie for $50,000, there'd probably be no chance unless you won Oscars with it or major awards that anybody would be interested in putting it in theaters. Now, I'd say in the last year or two, you, you see Unconditional came out on video uh, in theaters this weekend. Exit Strategy was another video project that, that's getting released independently through AMC Independent. You know, so... You know, it's sort of like these independent film filmmakers have circumvented um, Hollywood studios completely, and they're going directly to the theaters and having the movies have limited engagements nationwide now as a result of digital technology. Okay. Now, well, can you... Uh, a great review, Mike. I just want to ask, uh, what do you think of the uh, concept of... Uh, uh, direct to home, like uh, Morgan Freeman is doing with his studio, creating uh, original films and distributing them straight over the net to uh, video platforms such as Netflix. Think well, I mean, in, that, in the films? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, if, if it fits your business model, um, I, I believe, you know, there's a food chain to it. Um, certainly, I would say most movies don't make money in theaters. But the the you want to, a you want to give your audience the opportunity to see it in theaters if you can because I, I still feel that movies most movies really should be seen on a big screen if they're if they're shot with that intention of course um, you know and then also the marketing and distribution of a theatrical release if it's done properly will increase the value of your film for the rest of the film's life. You know, so so in the past, it's always been that a movie is up in theaters six or eight months later, they come out on video or cable, and then they end up on on for free on the internet through Netflix or Hulu or whatever. Now that's like all a jumble, you know. So it's sort of getting where you fit in. So if Morgan Freeman has a way where his movie's already paid for and he can afford to release it directly to a platform like Netflix where the the audience basically feels as, as if they're getting an unlimited number of movies for basically free or $8 a month. Um, I mean, to me, that devalues the product from from having the experience of, like, I have to get dressed and go out and see the movie and pay $12. Um, that adds value to your product. Like, wow, I'm, you know, so, you know what I'm saying, like, so, like, I will follow, you know, one point when it first came out, you had to see it in theaters. So when it comes on Netflix, it's like a bargain, you know, whereas if, if you're just putting it out right right to Netflix, maybe the it's not as special an experience. But, you know, if, if Netflix is paying for that right and Morgan Freeman can make his money back, then I don't see anything wrong with it. Um. Well, well, the uh, the whole industry and the paradigm is, is changing. Uh, as you said, uh, I, uh, I read a uh, report uh, last week where the uh, 
president of HBO said that they would never break away from a bundled package on their online presence uh, because of the fact that they would lose so much money through the different uh, municipalities that are paying for that uh, HBO show as a premium. So when you start right. talking about perceived value, uh, whether it's the fact that the experience of, of going to the actual theater itself, uh, the in in product being some type of award such as Sundance or so forth, versus just something that's uh, available online. But with the hodgepodge of new uh, delivery systems that are coming out, they can't all keep showing the same uh, the same films. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I. Well, but they do. They get away with it. I mean, it's amazing. Like, like you know, TV Land, for instance. They they were touting the fact that they got the new Cedric the Entertainer sitcom, uh, Soul Man, uh, and they they announced the premiere, and then uh, you know, within an hour, it was running on like five other channels that were owned by the same company, you know, so, so you know, if the, if the companies that are um, responsible for, for purchasing these shows or acquiring these shows don't feel that they need to respect the, the importance of branding and having specific shows on specific channels, that they want to have it reach as many people at the same time as possible, then it, it makes it it makes it a lot more challenging for the little guy who doesn't have access to all this bandwidth, you know, to get their voice heard, you know, in, in the same fashion. So, so you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the money. And, and you know, my biggest concern isn't, like, how you get to see the movie. It's just how do we get the movies out there in a way that the audiences appreciate it and the filmmaker or the, or the person still has the ability to recoup enough of off their investment so that they get to make more films. Yes. Well, I do agree with that. Um, you know, it's important that, um, you know, artists be able to live by their craft because the artists, whether they're spoken word, storyteller, filmmaker, visual artist, singer, they're the keepers of our culture. And when we leave, it's the art that lives on. So it's important that we create an environment that they can produce it and live by it because that's their job, you know. That's the artist's job as I see it, as to, um, you know, keep the culture and have something to pass on when we're gone. And so, um, you know, so we have to create an environment in which that they can do that. But now, Mike, what I would like for you to share real quick, and then I want to go back to, you know, finish up with the OKIUTF. Just explain the process of a firm, because, you know, I know it, you know it, but still 90 or more percentage of the people don't really know it or understand it. So we want to create this image in their mind. So... Now, what um, I'm an independent filmmaker, and I have a film that I would like a firm to release. Now, first, what is a firm? Explain that structure. Well, a that firm collaboration. is, is mm-hmm. basically Ava DuVernay's uh, film distribution arm of her company. Mm-hmm. Uh, the genius stroke in a firm is that 
uh, you know, like I said, there are lots of people that were using this technology to release films to multiplexes na- nationally. But generally what what ends up happening is, uh, you know, if a tree falls in the forest kind of thing, like the, they spend, they would spend lot, lots of money to get their movies in theaters and market them, but then uh, they wouldn't have people on the ground in the specific cities that they opened to... Um, to market the film, and the films basically would would not be heard. The tree would fall in the forest, and no one would know it. So, mm-hmm. what by her really having a great deal of respect for Real Black and the Langston Hughes Film Festival in Seattle, and Urban World Film Festival in New York, and Imagination in New York, and the the Bronze um, um, Lens in Atlanta. And uh, I know I'm leaving out like two or three other film festivals, Pan African Film Festival in Los Angeles. She basically formed a, a reached out to us and had us form a coalition where um, she said, "I want to release, I want to release African American independent films that I feel are quality, um, theatrically. Uh, you know, you know, if I cut you in and give you incentive to promote, would you promote these films in your market?" And then as as we gain traction, we can expand to other cities and um, and have this thing grow. It's the movement part of the African-American Film Festival movement. So from the first movie, which was in March 2012, I Will Follow, it opened in uh, 11 screens, five cities, uh, and now we're, we're, we probably quadrupled that number for and uh, one Sundance with the... Uh, Middle of nowhere, you know. So, so basi- basically, the the difference between uh, what other people are doing, what what African American Film Festival releasing movement is doing, is that we're a coalition of of people that really want to see quality work in theaters and, and the community work. part, right? Uh, it's definitely grassroots marketing. I mean, there's very yeah, little. Yeah, it's the community that you've leveraged with the technology. Yeah, there's so, there's, vir- there's virtually no budget for advertising and marketing. Like you may hear some radio ads, um, but basically we're we're leaning on Ava's skill. She spent ten years as a, a film marketer before she decided to make her own films, and she has she basically do bang up advertising and promotional campaigns. Um, CNN, they're going to be here Tuesday to do Yuki Washington's show and and Patty Jackson's show and start, and do an event for us. The Painted Bride. I mean, so the marketing end is is covered, you know. But ben, what uh, about what you do is real black, Mike? I'm I'm sorry, I'm trying to pull this out of you, Mike, but yeah, uh, you know, um, yeah. As far as a, you know, a lot of times we say we don't work together. You know, we don't come together as a community, but this is where it's not just the technology and all. What makes this movement work is the everyday people because now film comes out and Real Black gets it. So what's Real Black doing? Even before she's done the interviews and all for CNN, because before she even did that, what did you do? Because this is what Real Black was already doing, and this is why she came to you. Well, I mean, you know, there was no African-American film festival in Philadelphia at the time. Um, You know, we, we kept running into each other on the film festival circuit, because uh, I had films out in festivals the same time that she did, and she actually came here and did the um, Black Lily Film Festival, you know. So we kind of hit it off, and um, you know, but but we 
we market films that come through. Anything that's quality African-American, we send e-blasts out. We try and get people to go first weekend to go see them. Um, we'll, we'll do screenings, you know, with the film studios. Free, we'll get free passes and stuff like that. And we have a decent-sized membership base of people that pay $30 a season to be a part of, of Real Black and help support us. So, so no, you know, so we had an audience that was basically, if we said go, they'd go, and 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 it worked the first couple movies, and then you know became like uh, we had to bring in more partners to help us get the word out, and we've expanded our partner base to about seven organizations here in Philadelphia that are helping to get the word out on the firm release and have pledged a certain amount of commitment as far as their energy to get their base out. To, to see the films, but it's, it's almost you know like organizing a bus boycott is what I liken it to. You know, we really it's really going back old school in the way of like, look, if you feel like this is important to you to support these quality images, please do not wait for this to hit Netflix. You have to make a, a pledge to go see this movie when it opens on October 12th or whatever the release date for the firm project happens to be. And um, and it's been working, you know. Um, you know, we wish it could work more, but it, it's a direct, a direct correlation between, you know, how loud you beat the drum, you know, so to speak, and and the amount of resources that you have to to do so. So so we're working we're we're working with the limited resources, but but we're very successful at what we do, and we've had quality work. Um, Fortunately, we've, we've been able to have quality work. So, has so, social yeah. media worked for you? Um, some yes and no. I mean, we definitely, you know, we definitely do Twitter. We definitely uh, do Facebook, um, and we have a very loyal and growing fan base on the Firm Nation, which is the website for a Firm. And the firm Facebook page is consistently growing. It's, it's I think it, uh, I don't want to put a number, but I think it's around twelve thousand uh, fans right now just for a firm. You know, so it's sort of like the people in the in the know get to stay in the know through social media. But um, we haven't had like huge uh, numbers in the in the sense that that um, it it resonates to the the, the greater whole. You know, I think that more traditional media outlets serve that purpose better for us. So, so while social media is important, and it definitely helps keep us connected, especially among the cities and among the fans of a firm, um, we still need um, Ava's expertise in terms of getting the word out and all the other partners that we have, participant meetings and so on and so forth to get the word out on a national level, get those cover stories, get those image award nominations to to really legitimize the product. So you're basically the the street team. She she created a I'm, – I'm from a music production side of, of the house, okay? I've right. really not yeah, done – okay. You're, you're doing a street team organization and tying it into the old uh, – uh, uh, Jack and Jill Club uh, uh, meeting or the NAACP. Uh, okay. Absolutely, yeah. We're a street team. We, we're responsible because we're, we specialize in African-American film. 
Um, we we carry the core audience of people that that, wanna, that are interested in seeing quality African American stories, and then we we also try and reach out to the local media here in Philadelphia to to just remind them, hey, this is not just a black thing, you know. And as a result, we we found some really good advocates, um, you know, in like the Philadelphia Inquirer and and um, just Philly Cam, all all these other sort of more mainstream places beyond the Tribune and, and uh, the Philadelphia Sun and so on. So, but, yeah, uh, but it's definitely a grassroots effort, and I think it's what's needed. I mean, it, I mean, it it extends into social media for sure, but, um, you know, it's definitely the kind of marketing that, um, you know, we want to take advantage of the, the technology, but, but we also want to have, like, a, a paper trail. You know, mm-hmm. so so mm-hmm. so traditional media is just as important um, and yeah. legitimizing our effort as, as social. Media. Would you would you give it that we're in the middle of a transition between the the collage of uh, of what has been traditional media? Like here in Cincinnati, we started in radio. We were one of the centers in the world in radio, and then uh, early television uh, started here in Cincinnati. But uh, the the move now is the growing move into social media but as you mentioned DVDs were the thing but uh with the rise of the uh i universe the apple universe and the change that we're all in a mix and it's getting sorted out and where would you think African Americans are in that mix uh and taking that or the multicultural uh the Hispanic uh, Native American African American where do you think we are in in that mix Well I I think we definitely need to to like what a farm is doing take ownership of it and not be afraid of it in the sense that um we don't want to fall into this digital divide and it is rapidly changing and moving, you know, like, you know, I would say the next change probably will happen within five years. If it took 12 years for DVDs to sort of slow down. Um, it might be five years before the next thing, or maybe it's not going to be called Facebook anymore where everybody goes to share their information. It might be called something else. And who's to say that black folks can't be in control of that something else? Um, you know, you talk about Africa and, and the need to control uh information and technology over there, I think it's just as important for African Americans to to stake a claim to this and not just leave it up to Apple to make trillions of dollars off our backs. Um, Now, I'm not saying reinvent Apple, but I'm saying use the technology that is available to us through those sources to to create our own brands and, and, and goals, places that we can go to to get information about ourselves or be entertained um, by our, for ourselves. So, so you, and, hit, you hit the sweet spot for where OKI UTF is talking about and where Jim created this over a year ago in the, in the valley of the whole idea of the urban tech fair, that technology can be where you find it in the community and, and bringing it uh, forward. So, when you talk about that, think of it think of it this way. In the universe of where the money is on fashion, art, music, entertainment, fame, right? Mm-hmm. So in terms of film versus television versus the net, and in terms of the rise of the net is because you can specifically for advertisers 
that you can specifically target your particular niche that you want to reach as a message for branding. So uh, how does that work in terms of uh, when you were talking about quality uh, films and uh, and the change in the universe, uh, would you look at uh, the advertising-sponsored films uh, for distribution? Uh, so where uh, this is brought to you by X, uh, uh, this film, as you know, on Hulu, uh, okay, before each uh, film, uh, you get to channelized by an advertiser, and then it had limited commercial advertising. So does that type of uh, uh, distribution uh, modality uh, work for you, or is it uh, uh, traditional? Yeah. yeah, I would say it definitely works. I mean, you know, you have to look at it from two different points of view. Like, if you were the person, like, from the licensor's point of view, like if you were like Bounce TV or something has done an amazing job in terms of scooping up every movie that ever had a black face in it and putting it on their network, you know, if you were that person and you suddenly had a channel on the web that had every black movie ever made and now you, um, you're getting, you're, you're monetizing it through advertising you know, the way you, you're saying Hulu does, that, that would be great. Code Black Entertainment does that. Or, you know, lots, there are lots of companies that specialize that. From the individual artist's point of view, it becomes problematic if you want to make movies or create work that's specifically targeted to African Americans. You have to really concede that you're not going to make as much money as a guy that makes more generalized products. Um, you know, we did a piece. It's on it's on Real Black TV where we talked to Russell Simmons about the um, the post racial America, and he firmly believes that there is a post racial America, um, and that we need to we need to be thinking in terms of um, integrating ourselves into a more colorblind reality. He said that <laughs> you know, if he created a company that was strictly strictly geared to African American taste he'd be shutting himself out of 85% of the potential market and that he wouldn't be a smart entrepreneur. But, you know, there are a lot of um, young entrepreneurs that feel like, geez, if I could just have 5% of what's out there, I I could still afford to live. You know, I, w- I don't need to be a multimillionaire, billionaire off of this. I just need to eat. So I think there's lots of people that are really happy with making work that appeals to strictly African-Americans. But um, if you don't control the whole pie in terms of, like, if you don't have a catalog of work that you're marketing to get that advertising, if you're strictly looking to have advertising on one or two pieces at a time, um, you may starve, and and that's when you have to really look at, okay, what's my webisode doing? Um, You know, am I growing this? You know, how many loyal viewers do I have? Do I have enough people to start a Kickstarter campaign or whatever? You know, otherwise, I don't don't know if we can think in those terms because um, advertisers have gotten really savvy and and they know how much a view count is worth. It's not like 10 years ago when you could put up a website and just have people just buy banner ads for hundreds of dollars on on a site just because you're getting 1,000 views. It doesn't really work that way Exactly. 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 You need need a million Twitter followers for you to even register on anybody's radar anymore, and and it's hard for people to build up to that. 
And so that that leads us into the whole uh, what most of the 60 million uh, people in America who are African American by census, it's 38 uh, million uh, people who are of the first wave of the uh, African diaspora, which is the slave wave. Uh, but uh, that lasted up through uh, uh, the uh, uh, Second Civil War. Then we had the people who, uh, who came between that and 1868 uh, when we became citizens to 1948. Uh, and then uh, the last uh, group, which uh, numbers probably over 12 million, which includes Hispanics and et cetera, who are African descent. Excuse me, Hersh, I don't mean to interrupt you, gentlemen, but real quick, if you want to call in, call in at 646-716-7994. We're going to stop streaming live in a few seconds, so just call in if you want to continue to listen um, to the show. Once we stop streaming, we'll still be recording, but we just will no longer be live. And, and uh, um, Jackie, can just, we give them the website while we're uh, for OKIUTF, the OKIUTF.org? Yes, that's www.OKIUTF.org. You can also find it in the chat room. And um, I wanted to go to Bill and see if you wanted to say something, Jim, because I know you've been having trouble with your line. And if you drop again, you're not going to be able to get back in. Jim? Uh, Can you hear us, Jim? Okay, Jim's Yeah, he's having a little trouble. Wow. Okay. Well, well I mean, I was just piggybacking off of what Bill was saying. Um, you know that, yeah. I mean, yeah. There are lots of people with color on the planet, and we've got to bridge these gaps. We've got to bridge the technological thing that divides us, that prevents us all from having access to all this new technology that's available on the net or new information that's available on the net. And then we have to really identify ourselves as being part of, part of the same culture or at least um, feeling, feeling of the feeling that we are. Um, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll take 5% of, all, of, of that number and I, I could live the rest of my life being a, 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 an artist, you know. Uh, well, think, think of this. Think of this. The African Union is going to celebrate 50 years of existence next year, and they've made the call this year for us to help organize 1.4 billion people of African descent into one uh, economic union by 2020, where the United States, the people in the United States, will have four votes in that economic union next year in civil society. So what we are doing at OKI-UTF is uh, fulfilling the mission that Jim Newsom set out for the creation of a multicultural, multi-ethnic, multiracial urban technology fair that brings the idea that we can find technology in uh, the most strangest place. If you remember Art Linkletter's uh, uh, play on words there. Uh, okay. But that uh, throughout the nation, 
And uh, we're proud in Cincinnati to uh, be among the lead in uh, uh, launching this. Uh, but uh, specifically in your area, uh, one of the things, we just had a film festival here, and we had agreed with that film festival that OKI, UTF, uh, my organization, FAU, next year we would be doing a film festival here in Cincinnati uh, that would be an Afrocentric uh, film festival and be centered around uh, issues that uh, have a, a central play. I don't know if you know or not, but Cincinnati is the headquarters for the National Underground Railroad Freedom Center of the uh, freedom uh, uh, ride that Soldier Truth and others uh, had during this uh, pre-Second uh, Civil War. And so we have this big museum down by the riverfront, and uh, it's our intention as part of the OKI UTF to uh, feature uh, uh, support uh, for uh, multimedia. I come out of Caramu myself, uh, and uh, uh, which is the uh, showcase of when you mentioned earlier about Langston Hughes. Uh, we were the original showcase that Langston Hughes could actually stage uh, many of his uh, stage plays. And okay. uh, so, so we were, it actually started out as a Hungarian settlement house over a hundred years ago and uh then uh in the uh, uh great depression the first great depression uh of the modern era uh, uh it uh, uh became a multicultural and so over 80 years ago uh langston hughes was able to do that in caramu up in cleveland and uh, we uh, uh, look forward to, uh, to working with uh, people such as yourself and your uh, uh, partners in uh, bringing that into the OKI UTF uh, as we run our year-long series uh, that when we launch in October, what we're looking to do on October 16th is to uh, have the biggest black hangout uh, where we would all connect online. As we well know, everybody knows the Million Man March and that anniversary date. But what we're looking to do is ramp up from One Nation in one October. I was part of that group that did the One Nation March in 2010 and One Nation working together in Washington. And we're bringing it through to uh, uh, the uh, launch on the 16th of this month of this uh, hangout where we all come together and what we're going to inform you on is what is happening, okay, in Africa uh, that has effects here. Uh, creation of a 1.4 billion person market that would be electronically interconnected uh, within, uh, of course, uh, we, we have our own hopes of using our technology, of course, but uh, like everybody else. Uh, so uh, within that uh, context, uh, uh, we think that uh, uh, because our stuff is, is patented and uh, because it provides interoperability for monetarization, that question that you just had of mm -hmm. the whole thing of bringing the money to the artist, that, right. that's why, as you well know, artists or uh, filmmakers are saying that they're looking to go to independent uh, movie theaters so that they would be able to uh, have the money come into their pocket, not in the middleman's pocket. And right. so uh, uh, we're we're looking forward. We've been working on this model, and, and because the technology is being used by Intel, Microsoft, Siemens, uh, at all, okay, 
uh, they just forgot to ask for permission. <laughs> and, I, I uh, you know, they're going to do that. Well, yeah, one well, thing I did want to touch on with Jackie was just like how how can filmmakers become a part of a firm? I mean, basically, if any of the film festivals that are part of a firm have screened the work or will screen the work, then um, they can nominate the film uh, to be distributed nationally uh, through through our our services or whatever. But uh, you know, we don't stamp rubber stamp a firm on everything. It really has to go through a selection process. And uh, mm-hmm. and and that way we get, because we only do two movies a year and and lately Ava's been doing a movie a year herself, you know, so it pulls it down to one slot a year that, that we're available to market the films. We really want to make sure that it's the kind of movie that everybody can get behind because it is a grassroots effort to promote the stuff and, and we got to make sure that um, you know, it, it works for everybody, you know, that, that it's a, a quality and, and we can go to our churches and our partners and things like that and not have um, issues that everybody feels good about it. So, But, you know, just just go go to one, go to Real Black and submit, and then we can, we can see what happens. Well, that's that's good. Uh, that uh, in, in terms of that, uh, in terms of a collective effort, but one of the things we, we want to... Uh, make people aware of is uh, the opportunities. I mean, one of the things that UTF as an institution is doing is to make uh, people aware of the opportunities to, uh, as Booker T. Washington said, drop your bucket where you're at, uh, okay, and uh, uh, you'd be amazed on the gold that you can pick up there. But combining that with the thought of Marcus Garvey, who uh, led the modern issuance of uh, collective activism, so much so that uh, he was uh, unjustly prosecuted and his organization was attacked, but that didn't stop the movement, which is now 54 independent nations uh, who have uh, collectively come together 49 years ago, formed an organization that uh, we now in the United States have diplomatic relations uh, with. uh, And uh, last week I was uh, privileged enough to uh, attend a briefing by Her Excellency uh, Madam Ali uh, from the uh, African Union at the Nigerian Embassy uh, in Washington as part of the Congressional Black Caucus Week. Okay, And uh, and we presented a paper uh, at the uh, African Scientific Institute at Howard University on uh, power plants uh, powered by sewage water. Okay, so you want to talk about something that we we need to get out and tell people about? Okay, uh, uh, right. how how can you get your power from from your sewage? Okay, and so that's one of the themes of uh, OKI UTF is on our industrial area, is to talk about the industrialization. But we're also going to be engaging you when we talk about the fashion, art, music, entertainment, because that uh, most people don't know that uh, Cincinnati had a world famous 50s. Uh, we were uh, uh, a variety of artists uh, came through Cincinnati as a uh, major uh, uh, music maker at at that time. Okay, uh, but uh, yeah. Exactly. We're we're actually uh, have been working for a past decade 
to uh, put the new um, a museum and uh, uh, honoring uh, that that history. But more important for us today is us to come collectively to talk about uh, the uh, riverbanks that's coming up here, which is a six hundred million dollar project that is fifty percent uh, a uh, black developer. And that came out of the boycott here in Cincinnati. When you mentioned uh, uh, that uh, you were organizing on the boycott uh, means, uh, we had uh, a uh, boycott here in uh, uh, 2000 that Bill Cosby and Ellen DeGeneres and many others caused over uh, $200 million in direct uh, economic loss and hotels went down to 40%. So we still have collective action. Right, as possible in the new age, and uh, the difference is is that now we need to talk about economic collective action that is supportive of a community that has over a trillion dollars in income, but only has a uh, hundred and twenty billion dollars in business. Uh, so uh, uh, the uh, time in in your industry. I could say our industry, uh, because I'm reentering it, uh, that uh, we, we can have that happen. So OKI UTF is focused on making that happen uh, and providing a showcase in an extended period starting uh, on the uh, 12th. Uh, and so I'd be interested. We'll talk offline about uh, uh, your uh, uh, feature release, uh, but on the 16th. Yeah, I don't know if it's opening in Cincinnati. I know we're opening in Chicago, but I'm not sure about Cincinnati. I can find that out and, uh, you know, uh, see see what can be done, to, you know, as far as helping to get the word out for the film. But, uh, well, yeah, well I mean, uh, you, can, you can address us at okiutf at gmail.com. Okay. All right. And, uh, and uh, please okay, uh, so, drop us a line. Yeah. So Herschel, just like the um, everybody, just to close out, like Herschel, um, um, if you could let us um, launch in the first event launches when? It uh, the first event of the OKI UTF starts on October twelfth. Okay. Uh, that's when we. Uh, that's at Genesis dot com. Okay, it's the electronic uh, launch. Uh, we we have a uh, two month uh, long period that uh, we're uh, working uh, on uh, on October twelfth at Genesis dot com, uh, and uh, you can reach us at our website at okiutf uh, dot uh, uh, org. Uh, but uh, we're using technology from uh, Genesis dot com uh, on October sixteenth. For the what, what I call the big black call, okay. Uh, but uh, uh, what uh, uh, we aim to do is to have a uh, hangout and using not only uh, Google technology but uh, the uh, Genesis technology uh, to bring together uh, the uh, community in America. And like I said, it's potentially 60 million uh, people okay. strong. And so then, uh, what, do, what do you need the people to do? So what do you need us to do? Uh, On October 12th, you, what do you want everyone to do? Well, I want everybody to be at oh, – go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, if I may interject, uh, that's the official kickoff, but uh, starting this Saturday at uh, 1 p.m. and uh, moving forward every week, we're going to do a uh, hangout on air uh, with a featured person of business 
or technology or STEM background um, moving forward uh, up until the 16th in the kickoff, and then we're going to continue with that uh, doing a weekly hangout with someone, you know, out of the region. Uh, so when you say a hangout, you mean Google Hangout for those people who don't know, correct? Yes, a, a, Google, a Google Hangout on air, which... Uh, and you which say 1 p.m., that's central time, right? Uh, no, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, Eastern time, 1 p.m. Eastern time, okay. And um, so where do they find the hangout at? Does does okay? I have a Google page. You do have a Google page, right? Google yes, Plus. we absolutely do. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yes. so. Okay, I U T F. Mhm. Yeah, that's our that's our Google Plus page. Mhm. And if you go okay. to the website, if uh, if you would uh, fill out the contact form, uh, click on the contact button on the left that scrolls down. Uh, you know, we can add you to our email list as well. Mhm. That's okiutf.org, or you can find us anywhere. If you, if you just Google us, okiutf, you'll see uh, that uh, we, we pop up uh, on Twitter, on Google+. Uh, we are uh, have a okiutf Facebook page, but you can also go to the website. Yes. Okay. All right, then. So, um so that's the first thing you want the people to do, go to the website and um, start with the Hangout, which starts this Saturday at the same time of our national conference call. <laughs> um, to do as far as to, to start you guys off. You just want everyone to come to the Hangout and go to the website, and then there will be instructions from there, correct? Yes, there will. All right. So, um, Mike, what do you need people to do? Well, just, just be aware uh, of this movie, great movie, Middle of Nowhere, Middle which of opens nowhere. O- October 12th. Uh, in around the country through Affirm Participant Media. Uh, the the uh, website, I believe, is middlenowherefilm.com or affirm.com, A-F-F-R-M.com. And, uh, you know, the stars and filmmakers will be making appearances on opening weekend throughout the country in support of the film. And uh, if you are in, so inclined to volunteer, you can reach out uh, through the Affirm website. You can contact me directly at MikeD at RealBlack.com, and we can and definitely put you on. But it's a grassroots effort to promote African-American independent film. And, uh, you know, anybody within the Sunlight Voice, hopefully they'll come out and support opening weekend, which is October 12th. Okay. So for everyone, we're going to start with Bill Herschel. I'm going to close out with you, Mike. You have 30 seconds and the whole world listening. What do you have to say? 30 seconds. Starting with you, Bill. Oh, I just I just want to say check out the uh, OKIUTF and uh, social networking is going to be the glue that connects the uh, global African community to commerce, access, and just moving forward as a group of people. Thanks. All right. 
Herschel. You can be the change. We can be the change. Uh, we're the 47%, and OKI UTF is in the forefront of bringing us together and bringing together one brand so that we have 1.4 billion people connected using technologies using that are showcased in the Urban Tech Fair starting at OKIUTF.org. All right. Mike? Yeah, I, I, wanna, I def, definitely want to thank you for uh, having me on. This has been a great conversation. Uh, you know, where we are now with the technology is that, that it's a lot easier for us to tell our stories, um, but we're still dependent on audiences to come out and support. So hopefully uh, we won't wait for the information to travel so far down the stream that it becomes irrelevant, that, that we definitely need people to put their money where their mouth is, and support the type of work that they want to see more of and hopefully affirm and, and the films that we put out through and promote through Real Black are your cup of tea. Okay. Well, I just want to thank everyone for being here. And I do want to, I, I guess I have three words, share, share, share. Um, the one thing about the technology, social media, and all the value comes in is the virility of sharing. So if it's telling someone, writing someone, emailing someone, faxing, calling, whatever, share the information, share the news. If a movie isn't opening up in your town, share with someone. Um, we always we should know people in those towns, or even if you just posted, someone's coming through. If we must learn to share information, so share, 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 and we speak for you. Peace and love. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.